to this episode of the Business of Practice podcast, where we focus on the fiscal, financial, and human sides of equine veterinary medicine. In this episode, we're talking about parenting tips for equine veterinarians with Barb Crabb, DVM, owner of Pacific Crest Sport Horse in Oregon. Dr. Crabb lives on the, the Pacific Crest Sport Horse farm property with her husband, Bob, who is a board-certified veterinary internist, and two daughters, Katie and Jamie. This episode of the Business of Practice podcast is brought to you by Decor Veterinary Products. Thank you for joining us today on the Business of Practice podcast, Dr. Crabb. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Well, we know that years ago, women were discouraged from going to veterinary school. I'm one of those women, especially if they had an interest in mixed or equine practice. Today, the majority of veterinary students are women. And those women want to practice great medicine while also having a family life. And the same is true for the men who are today graduating from vet school. So let's start out by talking about how has the role of women in vet practice changed over the years? Oh my gosh, it's changed so much. Um, and, and certainly uh, being discouraged from going to veterinary school is nothing new to all of us who have been out in practice for a, a long time. Uh, when I was actually, I had always wanted to go to vet school as a kid. And when I was in high school um, in a smaller town in Colorado, my, uh, my high school counselor pulled me into the office with my mother, who was a fireball, and said, uh, gosh, I'm sorry. I know she wants to go to vet school, but girls just don't go to vet school. At which point my mom said, oh, just wait and see. <laughs> so that was kind of the end of that. Um, and then, yeah, when I, when I, went to UC Davis. I graduated in 1989 and I was in the first class that was more than 50% women. So um, I think we all know now that number's gotten up to where women certainly dominate the profession and we're seeing a lot more women practice owners, um, not just being associates. Um, just There's just a lot more opportunities. Well, tell me a little bit about when you first went out into practice and you actually had a family. How did that work for you? Well, I started, um, I waited a little while before I did have a family. So I came out, I did an internship um, and then got married after my internship. And I worked for about, well, I worked for three years for someone else before I kind of struck out on my own. Um, and at that point I was doing the typical solo practice in a truck, just me. And I had a gal in my office and I came home every night cause there were no cell phones really. And, uh, returned phone calls until 10 o'clock and then did it all over again. Um, and that's what I was doing when I got pregnant with my first child. So I didn't have a lot of opportunities to, um, you know, turn it over to the associates. <laughs> um, and I, I literally worked up until the day before um, my baby was born. And I took a week off and had a friend who helped me cover calls during the time. And then I went right back to work with a baby and a nanny in my truck. So uh, my, my oldest daughter, who's 22 now, spent the first year of her life riding around in the truck with me with a nanny. And when she started to cry, the nanny would take her off behind the barn and I would keep doing my thing. <laughs> so that's, yeah. how, that's how it works. <laughs> and that's, honestly, I've heard so many stories of veterinarians is that's, you know, it's, it's, you know, how you have to do it. If that's where you are in, in that age of your stage of your practice. 
Yeah, so it was funny. Actually, I, I during that time, I remember um, one client who who said to me when I was there with the baby and the whole nine yards and said, you know, do you have clients who don't like that, who like won't tolerate it? And I said, well, you know what, if, if, if they don't like this, then they, I'm not the right veterinarian for them. And you just kind of had to build your practice around that. So how, since you're, you have babies in the truck, how yeah. do you think that has changed coming up to today's practice? As far as how people are doing it now, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there, there are fewer probably people who go out just, just to hit the road in a truck. A lot more people are working in groups or working with, with other people. Um, and I, I know, so I have an associate who has worked for me for 17 years and she has two kids who are quite a bit younger than mine. So she had her kids, um, when she was working for me, um, and she was able to take, six weeks off to be at home with them. And that, honestly, that's probably one of the things that I do regret. Um, in it was my, really my only choice with both of my kids, um, was that I really didn't have, I mean, I, I literally took a week off with both of them cause I was it and I had to be back at work. Um, I wish that I'd had that time, um, when they were really little, but, um, I think the trade-off for that, because I've been on my own and because I'm now a practice owner and a business owner, so I can kind of control my own situation. As they grew up, I was able to have a lot more flexibility in my scheduling to spend more time with them than maybe I would have otherwise. So that's that's been the positive trade-off. I think just watching how my associate has done it, um, she was able to stay home longer when they were little, um, but for the most part, her kids don't come to work with her. Um, she, her husband, they, they do a shared thing. Um, he does a lot of the care for them. My husband is a board certified veterinary internist, so he works really long hours as well. So he, you know, he, he wasn't as much available to help out as hers is. Um, and you know, the kids go to daycare and they have family that comes and help them. And yeah, it's a little easier. It's a little more common, I think. So there are more resources available to help out. Yeah, and the technology today also, like you, like you said, back in our day, in the early days, there weren't cell phones, and even the early cell phones had such bad service, it wasn't, it was like not having a cell phone, so you still had pagers and tried to stop by the, the pay phone at the <laughs> corner store in the country, and it's hilarious. Uh, I'm writing an article right now for Horse and Rider, and that's part of my lead, is back in the day... <laughs> my pager would go off and I'd get out of my truck at the convenience store and yep. yeah, haven't seen a pay phone, you know, and, and it was only 10 cents to make a call. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And usually those little corner stores had some, you know, nice little food too. I mean, yeah. <laughs> one in Kentucky, you could get fried bologna sandwiches and homemade baklava. It was amazing. Oh my gosh. It's hilarious. Yeah. But you know, so there's some perks of being out on the road, but as you said, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a challenge when you have children, you have daycare, you have today, you know, you've got kids in COVID that are home um, yes. because so many things are closed. I mean, what what is it as a practice owner? And I, I'm going to say this, there's a lot of practice owners who still are hesitant to want to hire women because young women will want to have families and then they're going to be off all the time. So how do you address that? Yeah, I mean, I think that is as a practice owner in, in general, 
I mean, there's so many things to be said about that. I've learned, so I have a, a Gen X and a millennial working for me. <laughs> um, and I think that whole generational thing is very, is really interesting. And I am most definitely kind of at the end of the baby boomers. So that, you know, and I find myself having those kind of thoughts. And I know that's a lot out there in the practice owner mentality still is I did it. You know, I worked seven days a week. I was on call. 365 days a year and walked uphill in the snow barefoot both ways, you know, that whole by the bootstraps thing. And honestly, I think we have a lot to learn from our younger associates who want to have a better work-life balance. And I, I, when I find myself thinking those kinds of things in the back of my mind, I try to realize that you know, they're probably right. It's probably a little healthier not to be that way. Um, and so we try to really adapt our schedule to, to make, work like an enjoyable place to be. Um, our, my associates work four day weeks. Uh, we have a sh an emergency share with another practice. So they're on primary call one weekend a month. I don't take weekend call anymore, but they're on primary call one weekend a month. Um, and then secondary call a second weekend a month. Um, if I, one of them starts a little bit later, because she used to before COVID, like to go to the gym in the morning, and we just sort of try to do what we can to adjust the schedule so people are happy, um, and you know, don't begrudge the vacations or the days off. We try to share the holidays, so each one of us has one major holiday that we just cover that week. Um, but I think we have to pay attention to making people happy and not so much to making tons of money and, <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's hard to, to find people who want to come into equine practice today. And part of it is the, you know, mentality that you and I grew up with that you are on call seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Right. And somehow that's cool, but you know, it really isn't. I mean, it really isn't that like something to brag about that you never took a day off. It's like, we probably would all be better off if we did. And so would our clients and so would our patients. So let's let's go back and do a little reminiscing. So you, you talked about how you were back to work in a week after having your first child. You had a nanny in the truck. The nanny take the kid off if if, uh, you know, the baby starts crying. But as they got a little older, I mean, how do you handle the raising of children, the parenting and everything that goes along with that? at different ages and stages of the children. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you think when you have a baby that that's just so hard. And at one point I had a kindergartner and a newborn. My kids are five years apart, which it was like, I look back at that now and I honestly don't really know how I did it, that you just kind of do what you <laughs> have to do. Um, so the, the babies were both in the truck for the first year. Um, my first daughter then went with the nanny. My second daughter, I did put her in a big kind of daycare, preschooly sort of thing. I actually think that was a little better, I think, because she had more exposure to kids. And, um, you know, half-day kindergarten, I would pick one up and take her to where her sister was. And, you know, you schedule that into your day. And um, that, that period was pretty impossible. Probably the hardest time... <laughs> Um, though was when they're what you don't realize when you have babies is that you, they take a lot of time, but you take them with you to do your stuff. 
Decra Veterinary Products is proud to sponsor Equimanagement's The Business of Practice podcast. Decra's equine product line includes Osphos, Clotinate Injection, Orthocon Vet IREP 10 and 60, Osteocon PRP, Equidone Gel, Thumperidone, the Vetivex line of parenteral fluids, Phycox EQ Joint Supplement, and a comprehensive line of topical dermatologic products. The recent addition of Zymeta, Diaperone Injection, further expands Decra's equine offerings. For more information about Decra's products, please visit decra-us.com. When they turn seven, eight, nine, ten, all of a sudden they have their stuff. And so then you have your stuff and you have to take them to do all of their stuff. And that, I mean, I just drove a million miles and picked people up in between appointments and dropped them off here and there. And I'm really a strong believer. My kids have been really involved in a lot of things. Um, one of them rode horses pretty seriously. They both did dance. One of them does a ton of theater. Um, I spend a lot of time, used to spend a lot of time in coffee shops, writing articles in between, you know, while kids are doing things and doing appointments at weird hours. And you just have to be flexible, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can imagine an ambulatory vet who also has the mom taxi business oh. is pretty, pretty tough. Yeah. Although on some level, I mean, to be fair, it's easier than if you have a nine to five job where you can't, where you have no flexibility, you can't leave the building. I mean, then you really are kind of stuck. You can only do stuff with your kids at, you know, at night. Yeah. So in a way, that's a little bit harder. Um, but, of course, being able to juggle things is very dependent on either being your own boss or having a boss who's up for that and, yeah, yeah can manage that. So, um, and I'm sure some practice owners, I'm going to, get back into this just a little bit from what we talked about. There are practice owners who, you know, you talked about having six weeks of maternity leave. That's, that's pretty great. And not all veterinarians have that. We did a survey at Equimanagement with Dr. Amy Grice and found that a lot of uh, young female practitioners um, suffered some abuse on wanting to take off for maternity leave. I mean, what, what is your advice to practice owners first and then to young women or men who might want to take off with if they have a new child who want to make sure they have that time off? How do you arrange that in your professional life? Well, I think the, the biggest advice, so I, I have a story that kind of goes along with that. I was sitting at a meeting with my associate, so and let me say this, my, I, my two associates, one's worked for me for 17 years and the other one has worked for me for six now, um, which is I think kind of unusual in equine practice, at least in the local practices, the associates that I know in other practices usually don't last longer than a couple of years. Um, the reason I have that I think is because I try to accommodate their needs and certainly being accommodating to having children and taking care of children is part of it. So back to my story, I was sitting at a CE dinner next to an older, very macho, very up by the bootstraps veterinarian with my associate sitting next to me. Um, and we were talking about associates and how long we'd had it, you know, and, and he looked at me and he goes, how on earth do you keep an associate for that long? And I said, well, I do this and I do that and I do this. And my, Dr. Posey, my associate was 
listening to this at the same time and sitting there and he literally looked at me and then sort of turned, went, huh, turned away and didn't talk to me again for the whole rest of the, it was like, just couldn't even hear it. <laughs> um, but I think that's, I mean, that's the reality. You have to try to figure out a way to do it. You have to be creative with scheduling and you can't think that people are going to work constantly with, with no break and no opportunity to stay home and have a child. And it's way worth it to have a really good associate be gone for six weeks and then have some flexibility in their scheduling and have them work for you for 17 years than to trade them out every two years. I mean, that that's, there's no question, even from a business standpoint, I mean, even if you're just looking at the bottom line and you're just looking at profitability and, um, you know, turnover of associates is a huge ding for a practice. Right. The, the inboarding is expensive. Oh, yeah. It's expensive and it's hard to, I mean, it's really hard to get a, a new veterinarian accepted by your clients. And if you don't want to be the one working all the time, you have to be willing to share the work. Yeah. So, yeah. But so, I guess some people want to work all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned, you know, we had one client ask you about, you know, do any other clients not like you having kids? Can you maybe tell us a few stories about some of the problems you faced when it regards to parenting and being an equine veterinarian? I mean, I don't know that I like a, any specific, I, I, maybe it's too far in my distant past, but I don't remember there being any really huge issues I mean, sure. Uh, I do remember the, you know, my husband was out of town and I had the middle of the night emergency call and I had to get, you know, a baby out of bed and put him in the truck crying and take him to the appointment. And I've been criticized, I'm sure, uh, by people, you know, that I did that with my kids. But honestly, my kids are great. Like my 22 year old just graduated from college and got a really good job in the middle of COVID and is out living with friends in an apartment and is super happy. And my 17 year old is super independent, doing great in school. And we like being around each other. So, you know, people could criticize me sending my employees to the end of the driveway to pick them up from the school bus, which sometimes I had to do, but I think it worked out just fine. Like, I don't feel like they've struggled because of me taking them out of bed at midnight when they were six <laughs> or four, or two, they, they survived it and they can talk to adults. They're really good around adults. They had a lot of that kind of socialization. They know how to behave. They can handle horses really well. <laughs> um, actually, I mean, and I, I do have the benefit, I suppose, of living on the property and having the practice on the property. Um, but during one period of, uh, my career, I've dropped it a little bit now, but we did a ton of frozen semen breeding, which involved 3 a.m. ovulation checks. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't feel like it was really safe to do that without someone holding the horse in the stocks. Um, I know some people do that, but I think that so um, my kids would fight over the who got to hold the mare at three o'clock because I paid them all. I paid them each 20 bucks every time they got up. And we would, uh, they'd set an alarm. I'd go down and get them. We'd get up at three, come down to the clinic, check a mare, go down, get back to bed. And they'd count up their mares for the year. And both of them could handle horses pretty well. Um, so I think our record for doing that with my oldest daughter, who's really my horse girl, was 
getting up at three and it took us six minutes to get to the clinic, get the mare palpated and be back at the house. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that was crazy, but <laughs> yeah. So, you know, those are just the kind of things that we did. And is there any advice that you would give for men or women who want to enter equine veterinary practice and who want this balance of career and family? How, as you're thinking about going into this, are you not dissuaded or how do you negotiate or find the right practice in order to have that balance? Yeah, I think that's what you just said. That's the key. You have to find the right practice. And, you know, be upfront about it going in and just find a practice that is interested in that work-life balance. And honestly, probably someone who's raised kids while they're in practice and knows it can be done. And yeah, ask a lot of ask the former associates what it was like working in that practice. I think that's a huge, huge thing. And is there anything that if you could go back and, and wave the magic wand and make some changes just from, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, is there anything that you have learned over the years that you might have gone back and told your younger self? Um, well, I, boy, I might've told myself that raising children was the hardest job <laughs> that you're ever going to have if you think anything else is hard. Um, you know, I don't know that the only thing I wish I could have done differently again, which I've already mentioned is I, I wish I could have had that month at home when they were first born. Um, and I think that's, you know, something that I would try to do now, but again, then it just wasn't, it just wasn't a thing. So yeah, sometimes well, reality is what it is. Right. Yeah, I do. I, I did have a couple clients that gave me advice when I first got pregnant with my first child that I will never forget. And one of them, which I still to this, actually, the person who told me this, her daughter is now my younger associate. Um, wow. and, and she uh, she said to me, you know, Barb, sometimes you just have to let things go. So that was very, very good advice. And the other one um, that was a client I'd known forever. And she said, you know, Barb, just remember the baby is coming to live with you, which yeah. was kind of an interesting thing to think about, you know, that is. Yeah. So those are two things that have stuck with me. Well, and, and you mentioned that you have a millennial and a Gen Xer. Um, what advice would you give to practice owners who really would like to have a quality veterinarian and maybe don't understand what they need to offer and what these, these next generation veterinarians are looking for. Yeah. I mean, I think the first answer to that, that we've already touched on is I think we, we do need to realize that we can learn something from them and our way isn't necessarily the best way. Um, I have found it really interesting just to read about the differences in the generations. And, you know, there's a lot out there in the literature and there, there are, you know, you go to CE lectures all the time about working with the different generations. Um, I find that fascinating. Um, and I find it, I do, I have found it helpful to realize that, you know, sometimes if you think someone is being lazy or someone is, you know, can't do anything by themselves or whatever that you have to look back and 
and see what it is that's driving that kind of thing and try to understand it, I think. And if you understand it, then it's easier to work with it and sometimes to realize, huh, you know, maybe that's something I should think about. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that you think that you would like to uh, offer as advice to either up and coming veterinarians or practice owners who are managing these younger veterinarians when it comes to parenting and veterinary practice? Well, I, I can't think of any anything else that we haven't really touched on. Um, really just being flexible and being open-minded and realizing that you're going to be a lot better off if you have associates that are happy and employees that are happy and that stay with you for a long time. So doing things to make that happen and to keep them happy is probably some of the best business management you can do. Well, we really appreciate you sharing some of your personal life and some of your professional tips with us this morning, Dr. Crabb. And we'd like to thank our listeners for joining us on the Business of Practice podcast. And a big thanks to our sponsor, Decra Veterinary Products. Please visit equimanagement.com or your favorite podcast network, such as iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher. And you can hear each episode of the Business of Practice. And make sure to take our survey so we know how to better serve you with our podcasts. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can always email me at kbrown, that's the letter K, brown, at aimmedia.com. The Business of Practice podcast is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network. <laughs>